everyone. Thank you for joining us for this um, third and last talk of the um, Xavier Laurent in Dialogue conversation series that have been organized by Dance House and M Pavilion. Um, first, uh, first, first of all, allow me to acknowledge the traditional owners of this land, the peoples of the Kulin Nations, and to pay our respects to their elders past and present. I'm Angela Conquer, I'm the Artistic Director of Dance House, and I am extremely privileged to find myself today on this sunny afternoon uh, in the middle of, of this wonderful panel of very handsome men. Um, it was not done on purpose, of course. Um, today we, we will be talking about what matters. What matters, um, simply because we often ask well, ourselves what matters in the way we make art today, in the way we produce art, in the way we share art with the audiences or with the others. Um, we also will be talking about what needs, what it takes to make good art. So obviously we'll be talking markets and money. Um, we'll also be talking about how markets or money affect, impact, determine or prescribe the context, the form, the modes of production, the artist status in the society, the econo eco economies of value, and the value of value itself. It's a vast topic, so probably we'll be using bits and pieces of examples. Um, and I would like to introduce the guest speakers today because each of them um, is here for a very precise reason, and I'll, I'll try to summarize that. I will start with Xavier Laurent, whom you all know by now, um, the reason why we're all here today. Um, Xavier Laurent has spent um, two weeks now with us in, in Melbourne after a wonderful um, time in Sydney, um, invited by the Calder Arts Project to make a new work and um, present Self Unfinished. And then he came to Melbourne where um, he, um, he also presented, presented Self Unfinished and worked um, with 30 um, choreographers during two weeks and of course conversations and dialogues as today. Xavier Laurent is um, I would say probably one of the most um, important choreographers today and the reason why he's um, so important is that probably he's, um, he has managed to shake um, and shape what we understand today uh, about the choreographic um, simply because he invented new ways of approaching the moving body um, um, and its relationship to space, um, to temporality, to um, the way it sits um, with audiences. Um, he likes to play with the notions of expectations, but we'll talk a, lot, a little bit about that. Um, I could go on forever about Xavier Leroy, but I'll, 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 I'll let him talk more um, in a little while. Yuri Moll um, is a dear friend of Dance House. Um, um, he asked me not to introduce him as an academic, so I'll try to make it a little bit more fun. Um, Yuri um, does work for the Melbourne University, but he also runs an amazing organization which is called COSM. Now, this is where you'll have to help me. COSM is the Center for the Study of Organization, Society, and Markets. Did I get it right? Yes. So this man knows everything there is to know about markets. And on my right side, we have the amazing Matthew Day, whom everyone knows. Um, Melbourne-based, well, not Melbourne-based, Mel no longer Melbourne-based, Amsterdam-based choreographer, performer. Um, we have had the, um, the enormous joy of supporting Matthew, um, Matthew's work at Dance House. Um, Matthew is that kind of choreographer who makes a work <coughs> every now and then. Uh, he likes to um, oppose 
um, many forces and many influences, and he does that brilliantly, and I'm, I'm sure he will have many things to say today. And on that other end, we started with the French, we end with the French. It's not a French mafia thing, it's just a coincidence. We have Mathieu Briand, um, a French uh, artist based now in Melbourne, whom you probably know because very recently he has opened an exhibition at Mona in Hobart called Etienne Libertalia Ego Volume 2, an exhibition that had a very particular mode of production that uh, Mathieu will share with us a little bit later. Um, and I would say that Matthew is here today because for me he really um, illustrates a sort of a contemporary version of what being a pirate could be today. He hates me when I say that, but, but we'll see. Um, the, the way we will um, construct this conversation, because it is really a conversation, um, is that we will start to talk a little bit with, with our guests and then um, and allow our guests to um, bounce ideas off, and then um, towards the end I will open the floor so we can um, start a dialogue with you as well. If you have any pressing questions that address the, the things that we're talking about, just raise your hand and of course we can, we can take those questions as well as we go. Um, I'd like to start with first with, um, with, with Xavier because um, we, we already started this conversation a, a few days ago when I was asking Xavier what prompted um, the making of Self Unfinished, with, which now is a sort of emblematic piece for his repertoire. Um, Self Unfinished is a piece that, has, that was created, what, 17 years ago? toured everywhere also because it's a very um, easily tourable piece. It's a white box, a table. You need to get the table to the right dimensions though. But otherwise, um, it's quite fairly simple to tour that piece. Um, and back then when it was created in the context of the French contemporary dance scene, um, it was it was something. It was, it was at the very opposite of what you would see back then. And I'd just like to know, Xavier, if you remember the context back then and what prompted this, um, this particular um, shape and form that you wanted to give to your solo, Self Unfinished. Um, so Self Unfinished was developed when I, I, was, I lived in Berlin, actually, so not really in the French contemporary context. Um, maybe there is one uh, specific aspect of that work that relate to our uh, topics today is that I have uh, when I decided to make that work I had, it was a moment where I also had decided not to ask uh, on one side any support uh, because I noticed after having two years in a row support from the city of Berlin um, and a little bit of attention to the work that I have done there was building some expectation of doing something of the kind. And it's, I thought it's very fast to be, to be under the influence of uh, this uh, convenient way of uh, producing when the state can give money to, to you. But also, when you answer to this giving, there is a, a sort of an exchange that that conditions very much the form that you that you enter in and you produce. Uh, so that was a 
why one of the reasons I, I decided not to ask money uh, and that was also possible because I had decided to work uh, alone which is um, sorry <laughs> which is in the context of uh, performing art something um, that you not it's not something you do usually you work with people so the the practice is is not necessarily a, a solitary practice like writing can be or like one can imagine the painting is also more solitary practice you don't need necessarily to have people when you do a performance uh, it's part of the medium that you work with someone it's more the exception so the they are also painting done with uh, many people together, and, but they are the exception of the mm. of the usual uh, thing. Um, and uh, yeah, that's this decision I've made uh, possible that I can um, go out or or let's say unconsciously produce what I would call now con producing my my condition of work uh, as much as possible uh, not produced by uh, in proportion it's always produced by the surrounding and the economic you are part of uh, but in proportion it was more conditioned by my decision than by the decision of a pre-existing market and the piece was planned to be shown two times and was supposed to be it uh, well. and here it is 17 <laughs> years after yeah so, Seem, yeah. Seems to be working your method. Mm. <laughs> it's very, very sustainable. But maybe one thing important to add to this is um, there is a distinction to to make when one think when one work in the field of art and want to make art. Uh, do you want to make art and make this your living and uh, the, your way of uh, surviving, or do you want to make art but not depend on uh, that production to to live, mm -hmm. and my decision was to to try to make a living with what I I, w I decided to do. So that mm -hmm. that's a very yeah. important uh, in relationship to the economy, the mar how the market functions. Could I ask you to go a little bit back to what you said um, when you said that um, you felt that. Um, the funding system in which you operated back then when you made this piece in a way conditioned the forms the form of the works that were made back then could you um, could you develop a little bit and in what way as an artist you felt that if you were to ask a grant from wherever then yeah well uh, in what way do you felt it would be did you feel it would be conditioning um, uh, was it in terms of the, the scale of the production that you would have to come up with, or the touring um, response? The, yeah, the touring. Um well, yeah, several things. The first thing I, I think now is like the application form for uh, for choreography in Berlin. Uh, there is the choreographer, so you have to fill up the the, the names and the, the, the each line somehow. Uh, the choreographer, the, the composer, the dancers, the light designer, the costume designer, the what do we have? Um, Dramaturg. Dramaturg. <laughs> uh, so if you do, if uh, plus um, there is a there is a proportion 
of how much of the money that is given to you can be uh, given as in the form of salary and the amount that is uh, supposed to help for the production, so using objects or renting or this thing. In this, in this form is already uh, pre-inscribed that you should work with a composer, with a costume designer, etc., etc. So you can, of course, not do that, but that's, uh, that means, in, the, in my experience of, the, uh, of this system, I don't know it's specific to uh, Berlin, but it's also something you see in other, uh, in Europe, the, but let's take this uh, precise example. When you, you, you make the report of the, the, of the, yep. of the end of the, your production, it's very complicated if you have to explain why you didn't have a, a, a costume designer or why you, you it's, it's, um, it makes your life complicated. So, of course, if you want to enter the system, you will look for a way that it, that it makes it possible and that the, the people will more easily give you the money because they know how you can report it as simple as this. Mm. So that, that's prescribed uh, in a way, uh, a, shape a form of, a form, uh, of yeah. what to do. Mm. Matthew Day, you as an Australian artist, you have also worked mainly alone, almost until very recently, um, exclusively alone. You have made a trilogy of three solos, um, Intermission, Cannibal, and help me for the first Thousands. one. Thousands. Thousands. <coughs> um, You've worked alone, and it took you a long time to to make these works. Um, for some, because it was your first work, but uh, after that, I think you did this whole trilogy over how many years? Four, five. Five. Um, and then, and then you decided not to step into another work right after intermission, which was presented um, in Dance Massive in 2013 for the last time. Um, was it by choice that you chose to work alone? Was it, um, was it because you were young when you started and you felt it would be much more efficient um, as a young artist to present and produce work? Um, I was having a conversation about this with someone last night, Shelley, who's sitting right there. Um, it's many things. It's, um, well, I think the most um, the least boring thing is that um, it's about coming to terms with what it is that I'm trying to, to do and the time that that takes um, and the kind of labour that is involved in that um, and the kind of expectations I can have of myself that maybe I'm not willing to make of other people yet. Um, and also because I do work um, with intuition and um, taking my time to find out what something is as it's happening in the studio, you know, studio practice, but that, that also leaks out into the world. So I might be walking somewhere and listening to some music and then something might happen and I might find something out on the way somewhere else. Mm. So working by myself allows me to be 
getting information everywhere and doesn't require me to be able it doesn't require me to have to um, share that information with anyone other than through the performance itself. However, I do work actually with a team. Like I have a dramaturg, I have a sound designer and a lighting designer and, and there is a conversation that happens with them which without their um, voices, the work wouldn't be the work that it is. Um, so I, so yes, in, in, on one hand, the works that I make by myself because I have to, and on the other hand, their works that I make with other people because I couldn't make them by myself. So it's, so it's not really that I make them alone, but um, I perform them as a solo f figure. Yeah. Have you always managed to um, achieve what you wanted as an artist each time with the? The people you wanted to get on board to to work with you, and the the, the feel you wanted to give to the, the finished work as a as a as a as a work that you shared with the audiences. Um, um, I don't know that there any of them are finished. Um, I think I'm generally happy mm. <laughs> okay. with. Um, what happens, mm. um, yeah, and you kind of have to deal with it, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm turning to, I'm staying on this side to, to talk to another Mathieu. Um, that's a nice coincidence, you too, <laughs> Mathieu, Mathieu. Um, Mathieu um, is quite the opposite of Xavier and Mathieu, um, because he, um, he made this exhibition at In Libertali Ego um, it's his own initiative and his own island, and he will tell you a few words about this exhibition. But um, I think the model that he has used in making this exhibition is quite unique because he invited other artists to make work within his own work. Um, in that sense, um, it ended up being a long journey for himself, for the others, and ultimately for us, the viewers, uh, experiencing his installation. Um, I do strongly recommend, if you happen to be in Hobart, to stop and see this exhibition at... Um, um, at, at the museum at MoMA, it's it's quite a nice journey, um, and we can, as as viewers, we can experience this and understand the, the the I guess the many layers to it and the many journeys that this this many artists have had embarking whilst embarking on Mathieu's island. Would you like to say a few words, Mathieu, about how you got to do this work, which took I think how many years now? Five years? Yeah, seven years. But anyway, seven. Uh, I went to this island because I was totally desperate. I mean, um, I always produce my work not with the market. I didn't never care about the market. I have been very lucky when I was very young to find people who produce all my fantasy, all my work. So I, I never really uh, take care of the market. And uh, I didn't need too much money to, to live at this moment. You know, it was very, very easy to live in Marseille. I'm from Marseille with few money in very good condition. And I think this condition was the same perhaps in any city in the 60s, you know. But now the thing changed. And uh, after the um, 2007, 2008, when we have this big um, crash in the market, of course, this affects the contemporary art. It's affected in the way that the market was very strong, but not ready to produce work who don't make money. 
So me, like other artists who are producing work without this boundary, we have been like kicked out the, the system. And uh, also because some of my work was produced by institutions, not only French institutions, but all over the world who get money from public system and from the crisis, all this money get out anyway. So I was very desperate and um, I had the, my hand live in Madagascar and I just get this picture from uh, a garden, a beach house and with this island. Uh, this island remind me all this story about pirates and all this uh, political uh, thinking of pirates too, you know? And so uh, at the moment I had few money left over, you know, so I went to this island and I discovered certain things and after I imagine a project, but the main thing it's what I really realize, I think, and not I realize, but I remind, because it's always what I did before, but there is moment sometimes that you forget what you did 10 years and was successful, you know, before. And so I say, oh, yeah, in fact, I have to convince people to help me to do this project. But to convince people, I need to begin the project. And so I begin um, this project with few money, but also with the support of other artists. And this was a big point, to think, okay, if I want to do a balance, I need support. And the first support I can have is from artists, because the artists, they are uh, like my family, you know? And so, it's how I begin this project. And then it went on. It took seven years to get it where it is today. I mean, it took life. I don't know where it will go, you know, but, but I mean... Can uh, you say the kind of support you got from the artists in which, which form? Yeah, it was just um, a form of their own art. I could, these artists, I could ask them money, of course, but mm. it was not the point. The point was also because in um, in art we have a lot of curator now you know who takes the place of an artist and we have less and less power I mean people think that when you are visual artist and successful you have power but in fact no you just a window of a, a system and uh, you can be kicked off very easy for someone else so this is a reality uh, so I think that yeah perhaps we have to have back this power, you know, and to have back this power, what I asked from them is their own art. And uh, after I went to people who have the money with this, say, look, we did that already. Mm. I've got an island. I've got my studio on this island. I've got this and this artist working with me. So now I need your money. <laughs> and it was, a, it was Antoine de Galbert. It's a, one of the biggest collector. And it was not possible for him to collect the island or anything of his work. But I said, yeah, well, you know, we don't have to fight, uh, but we have to open doors, you know, all together. It will be for you and for us something that we need for the future. And so he helped the project, like, okay, I put the money on it, you know. I think Mathieu um, has just said something very important. Um, with his exhibition, what's really important to know is that it's one of those exhibitions, which of course is more of an exhibition installation, where it's, you can't really buy 
Um, of course, you can buy bits and pieces of it, but if yes, you're not yes, we can buy it. You can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what you're buying, what you cannot buy, what you cannot buy is how all these pieces together sit together to create a journey that ultimately makes the exhibition. Of course, then you can take as a sort of souvenir from the exhibition by the single artwork that will maybe make you think of something, but as a whole, it, it works brilliantly well. So what, what can you buy? <laughs> it's like you. We can buy the moment, you know. I mean, I think for myself that the object um, in art is just a medium. And it could be uh, just a medium or transmit something. So what you buy, it's a medium. But for the public also, when you pay your ticket, what you buy for me is just a travel. And anyway, experience, dance, anything, we know that it's a personal experience. It's a kind of time in reality. That anyway, my work today, any object today will never give the same thing for each one and will never give the same thing in 10 years, 20 years. We know that. I mean, when you go in a museum and you see painting was be done 1,000 years ago, of course, the perceptions that we get from that is totally transformed by the time and the culture between when it was paint and now. So. I'll just stop you there, Mathieu, because I would, I'm seeing that you're taking notes, um, and I'm very curious what notes you're taking. And also, because I would, um, I would like you to perhaps, because we're now talking buying and working for markets, I mean, here we are. You can tell us all about it. What, um, where would you like to start? How do you see um, art and what can be bought of it or what cannot be bought of it? Because very much is experience, and it's the time that we're with ourselves and we experience the work, and we know now there are so many artists that invent um, ways of presenting or of sharing art with the audience that is not at all, it cannot be collectible. Dance is one of those um, art forms um, at all times, being the most ephemeral of art forms. We're still trying, tr struggling to find ways to preserve and to document and to see what can be left as a trace. I'm not going there, but um, with, with visual arts, of course, there is the product, but less and less it seems for some artists you can buy the product but you're not getting everything um how's how would you talk about um markets in relationship to what you've heard mm. oh uh, thank you angela um and in spite of your very kind efforts um to make me sound a bit sexier I, i'm afraid i'm going to be a bit <laughs> of a party pooper being the academic in the room uh not nearly as sexy as the other fellows here perhaps but um, and that's not just because I'm an academic but also perhaps because I, I do fear um, I'm, I'd like to think of myself a bit as a happy optimist or happy pessimist sorry and I do think that there is not much that the arts or society in general has on the market these days um, and it's for a, re a number of reasons. So, and of course, it's, it's, it's a terrible habit to talk from your own discipline and, you know, like when you've got a hammer, everything becomes a nail, right? So, <laughs> um, and, and yes, I will be sort of taking a more sort of an economic approach to, to matters. But, um, um, but what I, and of course, this is uh, very much a feature of uh, Xavier's work, the notion of the body. But I would like to maybe sort of consider uh, perhaps not the body as the individual body where, you know, there seems to be lots of, uh, talk about an almost like a, uh, yeah, um, a, a, a reverence of, 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 the, of the individual body, like the, the body is your temple, 
it's, it's so important, but it's always about the individual body and how to take care of it. What seems to sort of fall by the wayside is the notion of thinking about the body as a social body. And I think that, you know, if we look at notions of the state, community, family, marriage, uh, even organizations at large, they seem to sort of fall apart. And I wonder what, what, what is taking place there and, and also uh, why, how perhaps social bodies as, um, you know, the notion of the state, perhaps other sort of collectives like religion, uh, the arts, perhaps science, if you will, uh, the media, if you will, why they're all sort of being sort of um, now marketized to an extent and to the, such an extent perhaps that uh, we are seeing perhaps the demise of the, the social body as we see the triumph of the, of the individual body. And I would like to maybe sort of, um, sort of point on a couple of points that, uh, that sort of happened in, in recent uh, memory um, that sort of illustrate perhaps how, uh, and that's not to say that I don't champion the arts, I would like to, I, I very much champion the arts and that's perhaps why we're having this discussion in the first place, but I, I am pessimistic about it. Um, where we're going uh, these days. Um, there was a, people may have seen it, sort of in October 2015, there was a protest at uh, the Boston Museum of Fine Arts. Max Geller, uh, a leader of the group called, uh, what was it, uh, uh, Renoir Sucks at Painting, I'm not sure if people have seen this. Um, he, he chanted, God hates Renoir, and um, very crassly qualified Renoir's work as empty calorie-laden steaming piles uh, during one of his so-called uh, guerrilla art lectures, where he would just unexpectedly sort of turn up in an art museum and start to diatribe about Renoir and why Renoir wasn't great. And then uh, Genevieve, no, Genevieve Renoir, pardon. She very quickly, she was, who claims to be the, the, grand, the great granddaughter of, of Renoir, sort of quickly sort of tweeted, um, when your great-great-grandfather uh, paints anything worth $78.1 million, you can, then you can criticize. In the meantime, it's safe to say that the free market has spoken and Renoir did not suck at painting, right? And um, again, a controversial statement, but perhaps coming at it from a very uh, different angle. Um, and so, and, and that's of course solicited uh, sort of a, a response by Geller in return. Um, who said, like, I think it is one of the most absurd and insane arguments for anything, the idea that we should let the free market dictate quality and accept, is it? Um, um, are we indeed living in an insane and absurd world, uh, absurd world where money mutes all considerations of value? And I guess whilst I don't like it at all, I, I do fear that that's where sliding, we're sliding towards that. Uh, Jeff Kuhn, uh, his balloon dog, uh, anybody can contest him being the, the you know, I think few people would here would consider him the, perhaps the greatest living artist, but um, his balloon dog fetched uh, over $58 million and, and therefore makes sort of like the, the biggest um, uh, uh, fee that any sort of artwork has fetched in, 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 con in recent memory of any living problem? art. Yes, I think it's a big problem actually. A and really why? Why? Um, because we see the celebration of uh, or not the celebration, I would say, well, we see the celebration of the individual um, and uh, of the individual artist, of the individual worker, professional or otherwise. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, what, what I, and maybe that's sort of an opening gamut and that's perhaps where I'll stop, 
um, I think what I really fear is that we are um, we, we see the, the, the failure of the collective body and this is not just happening in uh, in arts it's also happening in arts but that's a more terrible thing than you know when it happens mm. in corporations or perhaps even in science mm. um, where we are not able I don't think to come up with uh, a definition of the problems that we're facing these days in society as a collective problem so we're facing all these terrible worries like you know what is a global climate change uh, hunger starvation uh, pandemics um, but whilst this is going on none of the solutions is ever a collective we all sort of every sort of problem gets defined and turned upon us mm. so we can sort of you know you want to do something about it um, about climate change uh, by your next tree with your jet star flight that sort of thing mm. uh, rather than that we are ever sort of a group so we're all becoming individualized and all happy on linkedin facebook uh, branding ourselves uh, so the market is sort of through methodological individualism is sort of individualizing us, making brands for ourselves, the same in science as it is perhaps in arts. So uh, do, you, do you think, just to go there, yeah, yeah, sorry. I, like, yeah. I like to play the devil's advocate every now and then, do you think that now um, some artists, and obviously you're talking more about visual artists because of course they work with yeah. objects, like, like physical objects, which of course can be sold and well, exhibited and then sold, um, but do you, do you feel that um, the artist has decided himself or the markets have pushed the artists to position yeah. themselves more and more yeah. as marketeers and yeah. no longer as entrepreneurs? Because I think as an individual artist, at some point you, you might want to sell your art and then yes, you have yeah. to have some entrepreneurial talents. But as marketeers and to play not against market forces, but to take advantage of this, um, the waves of consumerism and the, the hecticness of the free mm -hmm. market, which can then uh, result into this huge um, um, prices when you get to buy an artwork. Do you think it's the artist's fault or is it, or it's the market um, kind of shaping the, the behavior of an artist? I, I think the latter completely. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I feel that there is no, and that's why I'm so pessimistic. It's, I, I can't, I mean, perhaps at the moment, the most art, interesting art is being made. But again, it, it, there is, it seems as if there is no critique possible of the market any longer. You can hate the market. And uh, as, for instance, we see the latest oh, turn, the Turner Prize, the Turner Prize, also the ensemble who sort of was awarded. Uh, no, I, I, will, I will fall off the, 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 the platform, not, <laughs> not just now. Not just now. Uh, yeah. We don't want yeah, happy pessimists to die yeah. here, please. <laughs> but um, no, I, I really fear that... Um, um, you can hate the market these days, and you know, can and sell your book on Amazon. Like it's, it, it, the market loves you back. That's the problem with the market. It loves you back, no matter how much you hate it. And and the market is it's, it, it, it divides and it conquers. And so, for universities across the world, you see it where, um, you know, there's faculty of arts. Uh, they're rebranding themselves with cultural industries. Mm. We don't have a problem with the market. Mm. You know, we're calling ourselves, ourselves cultural industries, which is terrible, because with it, we sort of like relinquish uh, our autonomy and our ability to be sort of a countervailing power that a society especially needs now. Uh, mm. But now it seems to all be marketing and branding ourselves on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on, on all sorts of, you know, social media, as we call it. And it's all about you know our individual brand names and um, and that's what I do fear very much. I think it's very interesting because I think you, you talk about something that um, 
it has to do with a sort of a scale of uh, compliance or resilience of the mm. artists when mm. it comes to market mm. forces. Mm. Would you like to make mm. any comments? But I think it's a cycle. It's not. Uh, well, you can see it uh, other way around. Like, the artist has been the model for the market economy to y use this method to make it uh, more uh, like valuable, or uh, the like. You can see this. The you can observe the 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 artist as a self organized uh, industry, like, uh, how do you say, uh, enterprise mm -hmm. uh, that is becoming the rule not only for art. So uh, that's, it's, it's a little bit uh, difficult to, to put it into an, uh, an order where I think there is a, there is a, a, a cycle and it's, um, I still think art can produce this um, temporary uh, moment or, or uh, space where the, um, the notion of the, the, the collective and the group uh, is uh, thinking together about another way to, to deal with the problem. Of course, on the, on the on a very large scale and level, uh, there is nothing outside of capitalism. So, uh, so, so yes, you can sit like this and say it's like this. Of course, it's like this. So there's nothing to do, and whatever you do, capitalism will swallow you. It's a it's a super sucking machine that is able to 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 integrate everything you will invent. Uh, sorry, uh, <laughs> hurting the microphone. Uh, but um, yes, I am also very pessimist in a way. But the, the, the. I think this. The, yeah. Would you like to, to talk about those ways of making art in such a way that, in the way you create that that fleeting moment of existing together in a collective experience of experiencing time and time and space differently? Thanks to a piece of art, be it an object or an embodied moment, would you like to? Well, I think talk? I think there is a big distinction to to make. At f first, if we want to get in this uh, anal analyze, is there there are indeed art who produce objects that you can take home, mm -hmm. and there is art that doesn't produce this object, and I think it's. It's different, even if uh, the performance that I do, and I, by repeating it and by being paid every time I repeat it, I, I make it become a sort of an object. But within this object, every time I repeat it, there is an experience that is, that is produced. This, this experience is, uh, in, the, in the case of performance, is a, is a moment of collective, of commune, that, of course, is under the, the rules of the market economy, because if I can be there, is, like I say, I decided to do this and make my living with this. So if I do this, I consider this my work, I need to have money with. But within this pocket, there is something that is produced that is very different than the object that I will bring home. 
and put on my shelves or that I will accumulate. Uh, the idea of accumulation, I think, is a very different uh, now to make two, two big cate categories that, that don't, they don't say the same socially. I don't think so. Well, um, I think we don't have to be scared with the market. Uh, so we don't have to? We don't have to be scared with the market. No. It's totally mm. the inverse. <laughs> no, but you, you can laugh. I'm inside and uh, so, and I don't take money from that, but I'm not afraid. But I understand what you, but I understand what you say. Um, well, if we, I think the problem is the attention that we have on this problem. What's the problem? Okay, if we look at the capitalism around the world, it just explodes. So it's just um, something with normal, you know, we have, we had perhaps 100 collectors, now we have 10,000. So of course the market is bigger. People before on 100 billion, now they have billion, you know, so everything is exponential. So this is a mechanical thing. But we have to think about the past. I remember 20 years ago, everybody was in the art world, because there is market, there is the art world, and blah, blah. Everybody was asking for more money, more space, more public, more everything. We get it. We have more space, more public. Now it's an industry. Okay. So this means there is a money, there is a public, there is an artist. So how we do with that? That's a question. It's not, if we always be, if we are always scared, if we look history, I mean, there, is, there was a war uh, when the surrealism uh, happened. There was Dada before. We all, artists always have been confronted with problems, political, money problems. Well, it's life. It's like that. I don't know why we have to be scared now. The system, you have a Jeff Koons, you have someone like me, and you have a choreographer. Who is more, it's the most difficult. It's the most problematic today. And so the problematic, no, no, but I mean, we have to think about that. Okay. The people who get the money, are they ready to give money just because they like art and because there is no fetishism of object value? This is a question, you know? And uh, I believe that if we have a discussion with not an opposition, we think, I believe it will be possible because it has been possible in the past. I mean, who sponsored a ballet before? Huh? It was royalty, you know? Uh, we always find, we always need people who have money or the public. So today we are um, in a crossing way. It looks like a mess, but there is all the possibility to do things. It just, as artists, we have to invent. So the, I think the question of the market is more that why Jeff Koons don't uh, make money in dance, for example. But I can tell you that people like David Hammonds with on the market, one of the biggest seller of uh, uh, American art today, uh, put money uh, on contemporary dance in New York, for example. So everything is not enough. So how we can uh, collect this money from the artists because the first people who have to react is not the market. The market is doing its job. It's the artist. We have artists who are super rich today, super rich. And it's these artists who have to react, you know? It's these artists where we have to go and they're, okay, 
Why you don't do something, you know? When you were poor, you were complaining, and now you're rich. And what? You try to be more rich, you know? <laughs> and I think that, you know, when we, we are in artists together, we don't look the money we get. We look the work we do. And the competition is here, you know? Where are we each other in our work? This is a really competition, I think, between the competition between brings artists. the market. Yeah, no, because... Pff, no, you don't compete with something with something that you don't like. I mean, if you recognize it, this means that you focus your attention. And this is the strategy, I would say, of the market. It hypnotizes everybody. The money hypnotizes everybody. And you don't see the real question. And you, don't, you can't see the, the potential of this question make creativity of answering. It's what I think. It's a, it's a power thing. The, the fear, you know, it must not stuck people like, oh, there is market, there is always something, you know, mm. always. Matthew, I see you nodding. This other Matthew. As a relatively younger choreographer and artist, living now in between two countries, two markets, or not, mm. how do you position yourself? Um, I think I'm a naive optimist. Um, <laughs> We'll end up with many variations of that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I generally, I mean, I know I'm maybe getting paid to be here talking about money. You wouldn't go far with that money. <laughs> but but um, generally, I find it the least interesting thing to talk about, you know, because it's for sure, it's a problem. It's a reality. Um, And I guess um, lately I've been wondering about, um, you know, the value of not having it um, and the opportunity of, of finding other ways mm -hmm. and thinking about resources and what they are. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of those are, um, as you were saying earlier, um, other artists, relationships you have with people and places. And I'm not talking about exploiting people for labor, I'm talking about um, living a life with people, which is a social thing. And I think for me, part of my naive optimism is this belief that, um, you know, I might perform a solo work in a room and 100 people might come and that would be a, a big, sh you know, that would be a full room, mm. you know? Maybe 30 people will come, to be honest. Um, but it is a life and it, and it, and it, and it, it, you know, it touches different things at different points. And, and for me, this is where I have some optimism. And um, to me, I, I would rather be touched and touch someone than to, than to hold money in my hand, you know? Um, so, because we're gonna, I mean, we're all going to die, right? So whatever. I mean, I don't know. It's but naive. it's not necessarily about the money you would, hand, you would hold in your hands as an artist. And I do agree that probably money is not always the, it's not always what matters most. And today we're trying to talk about what really matters. And what really matters is probably um, actually the, you said something um, earlier about value, and we cannot talk about all these things yeah. without talking about maybe the value of value actually. And um, it's fun because we're currently preparing a new issue for our publication, which is called The Money Issue. But one of the introductory quotes that we have used um, 
by Oscar Wilde. It's, it's a funny one, but it's so true, and it, it dates back. But it's, he says, people nowadays know the price of everything and the value of nothing. Um, and I think it's, it's probably quite emblematic about um, what we, we do. We do very often, um, when we look at a piece of art, whichever kind of piece of art, we, we, if you are uh, more or less um, in the industry or on the market, um, you do talk about what what it what it what it took to make that art po that piece of art possible, um, and it does come down to to money, not the money that necessarily goes to the artist, but it comes to context and to um, and and investors or um, philanthropists or people who actually believe in something and invest money. So it's it's very much about money going to the artist, but also the money that allow for something to happen and. Um, I think what what was really interesting, for instance, with the last work that we saw um, um, by Xavier, which was a, a big work with how many dancers, Xavier, in Sydney? Uh, 18. 18. Um, it was happening in a different context. It was not in a theatre. It was um, in a theatre, but not quite in a in a in a traditional space. Um, a few years ago, you did um, this other work of yours, retrospective in at um, MoMA in. Um, in New York, again, many dancers who performed how many hours a day? Five hours a day? Yeah, five hours. Yeah. No, six um, hours a day. Six hours a day. Five days a week. Which for me, it was one of those works where you do get as an, as an audience member to experience um, um, a piece of work differently because you engage with the, with with the dancers, uh, with the performers in a different kind of temporality, yet this work probably would have never been um, achievable, I would say, in a normal production context. Um, it is an expensive work to make, not expensive in terms of, you know, it didn't make you any of you rich, but it took a lot of money to make that possible. In I, I would like to... Not so much. Well, not so much, but <laughs> it's it's 18 people that dance five hours a day in a museum. It it's is. All, it's all rel relative. It's a very it it's a very it's cheap exhibition in uh, in the average uh, price of what an exhibition costs. Exactly, as compared to an exhibition. So here we have a, a piece of dance existing in a more of a visual arts context, mm. which actually, funnily enough, is so much less than an exhibition would have cost. Would you like to speak to that a little bit, Xavier? How you got to make these works in this other context that are not so, uh, not the traditional or conventional context for presenting uh, choreographic works? Um, what was the, the journey that took you there um, in the way of making such a work and presenting it in such a space? No, I, I would prefer to think about the, like what Matthew says, like it's very, The value of not having the money. Is this what you? Yep. Yeah. 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 I think that's a. Uh, that's an that's an somehow an, an interesting um, notion that the 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 fact of not having the money has a value because it allows a certain quality that the money, I mean, that's how I in interpret, mm. that the money ca cannot give. If you value it, it's because there is, out of this situation, a quality that is not possible with, uh, that's how you can make a difference, I, I would say. And that's, that's uh, also the, the, 
I see it as a also a, by, a byproduct of uh, uh, creating this other situation or this other uh, time or this other uh, conditions where uh, the the artist can still work and and exchange like Mathieu says about the about the art and what this thing can can do i i understand it as a as a as a, as a way to be in the market <laughs> even if it's a paradox that you have to look for this moment where the value of the money which we tend to reduce the market too but it's not the only thing that the market has this is not it's not only money but nevertheless uh, that's i think an, an interesting uh, example of uh, what i what i was uh, talking about in another at another level uh, and i think this this is where um, we cannot be only pessimist i mean all the pessimist the pessimism is is a pro productive uh, in the same way of like returning the value of not having money it's it's good to be pessimist in the sense of like uh, not 100% like uh, if there is a little bit of a 10% uh, of a maybe we can still do something it's enough that's the that's the that's the where the force it's uh, called red comes. wine it's called what red wine uh-huh <laughs> but um could I jump in here? Of course. So just back to Mathieu, um, and and like I, I don't want to sort of say that you're absolutely right when you say like you know we had the arts. The arts have always been courted, literally uh, at the courts of, of the royals, and there was there were always uh, sort of we had a seen a system where you know there was money turning hands and that sort of thing. So it's not the money per se. It is the function of money, and it's also the function of price in societies. So where you know if we price was still kind of sort of uh, territorialized in the in the medieval ages what do i mean by that basically that you know when uh, everything was naturalized sort of in the medieval ages so when you know we had a particular ratio of the barley to wheat rate, uh, price there was going to be a hunger uh, in in europe and this was seen to be like sort of um, you know the judgment of god right and i'm not saying that that's a great thing obviously uh, but as we are now but the point is that price and the economy were sort of embedded within any kind, any kind of notion, uh, national or cultural understanding or religious understanding, if you will, of, 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 uh, of the economy and, and, and how things sort of worked out. But now it seems as that everything, that, 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 that yes, price, we have price, but it's no longer uh, curtailed or uh, we, we have no grip on it culturally. So the, 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 and the moment that, that price or uh, money or the economy written more largely slips out of any cultural grip, that is what I'm talking about. And what I fear that is going on is that we have slipped into an age where we have all become individuals. I mean, any kind of collective body that we've got in society these days, being marriage, community or whatever, it seems to be failing us. The states like Greece, Ireland, you know, it's just a bad investment proposition. Um, and so, um, you know, my neighbors, I don't know them, but I know they're sort of roughly the social economic demographic, you know, in this gentrified Fitzroy that we live in. And, and, and this is what I fear. It's not the money per se. The money has always been around. Price has always been around. But what I fear is that we can't any longer sort of 
meaningfully uh, become a collective. And that has got to do with the answers that we give these days to the problems that we're facing today. I mean, think about Paris now. Like, we are facing one of the, the gravest uh, problems of our age, like climate change is a huge issue. And still you see that, like, it's so difficult, although, you know, like, people's lives are being lost, that, that it's very, very difficult to become a collective. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and everything becomes... You want to do something about the answer is you want to do something about climate change. Go to the market. Go to carbon pricing, and it's a very ironic solution. And that and that is what I fear. It is not the money per se, but it's that that you know the the problems get inverted onto the individual. You've got a problem with your 80-hour work week. You know we will train you to sort of into a work-life balance uh, training program, and, and and that's how we solve issues. But that that's so we can't push the problem back on the collective, now everything gets pushed back on us. And, and that's well, the you are, real problem. You are saying and us being individuals. You are saying you're yourself you're a happy pessimist. Do yes. you think that um, um, creating um, experiences that can be, um, that, I guess I, what I'm trying to ask is, do you, don't you believe that um, it's, that art could, um, could, um, be an act of resistance? No, exactly, exactly, <laughs> and also create well, and create a sort of um, collective. And we all as collect that art is capable of creating that space, those spaces and temporalities for the collective body to come I'm together. Simply because probably sometimes um, it's not necessarily uh, about price and money, but because it's giving something that's much um, priceless, probably much yeah. more priceless than um, and cannot be. Um, um, it can escape market forces and. Um, well, fortunately, there's, there's all sorts of uh, fringe uh, 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 sort of festivals, and, and surely there, like in those communities, that I'm not talking economy necessarily of the modes of production, but just as a as a, the effect of. of well, them. yeah, but uh, but I I, I mean, uh, like I, I yes, on the one hand, but like how often have we not faced each other, even if if it's in a marriage or any kind of relationship, and you know we're being torn apart by our professions, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, or families falling apart children like being divided over parents mm. and often because you know we mm. have to work ourselves because mm. we are our own brand we are our own mm. like it, it, like we are living in an all-time low of, of, of marriage success mm. um, so and I, I and I really think that says something about the failure of, of, of the collective mm. body in a way or the social body and 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 and, 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 and is art any more capable than any of the other social movements mm. uh, as much as I love art, uh, I'm, I'm afraid not. Think of think of um, graffiti artists, like the biggest anti-establishment uh, that we've got. Uh, you know, pr spray painting on buildings. You know, like mm -hmm. fuck the world, whatever. And now you see them. It's not only that. <laughs> well, but no, not no, but like, but but it's like you know, I don't mm -hmm. care whose property it is. I'm just going to put it here. And now they are being marketed in real estate brochures, mm -hmm. uh, like at Fitzroy where I live. Mm -hmm. So. Um, the biggest anti-establishment art, like uh, and revolutionary or radical mm -hmm. art, is completely being appropriated by the market. Mm -hmm. And I fear, really, and, and it's not, again, that I fear the price. I fear the sort of the, the collective being divided in, into individuals. Are you uh, sure you're a happy pessimist? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the bar's not the bar's oh, not far away. Just before we open the. the the questions. You can jump in the river there. <laughs> yes, it's not yes, far. Yes, don't even It's obvious that the, the individualism is raising and we have difficulty to find the collective form of or way of being 
together. That's uh, that's for sure. Uh, but what sh what should we do? Mathieu and Mathieu. Like, uh, that, that's why that's why I that's why it's I say I say the um, the look for a collective body uh, is of course uh, running against the wall. The, uh, it's not going to happen. Uh, because we know also from the history that all the attempts have produced uh, the opposite when there is this. So they, there is a moment of looking into um, something else. I have, don't have the solution, but I, but uh, that's what what I think. The funny, I'm really optimistic. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I think in the that's that's the work that the the, the practice of art can do not as producing a collective because the big machine do this for the cultural industry but that's where i would also draw another line uh, i still think there is cultural industry and there is art art is still operating and uh, i still think that even if temporarily and even if uh, at a very low uh, level that's that's where we can work uh, well, when you are uh, doing art and you have not decided to become a politician. Would you agree, both of you? I don't agree. <laughs> uh, I think also that we live in a, in a time very fast. So the notion of present, it's very more complex than before. So just the notion of what's art today, it would be very difficult. Who decide for art? What's the good test or the bad test? Why we decide, is it a value? Of course, money could be not a value, but it is one of them. But to go back to the, uh, this French painter, uh, I, I think it's shit myself, you know? But it's not because <laughs> of, it's a value, it's a personal thing. Sure, sure. I never like it. Of course, <laughs> when we see uh, um, someone who buy uh, Modigliani, who is <laughs> just the value, nobody talk about the quality or the history of the painting. This is a problem. So the problem is an education problem too, because the value, the money is a value. It's not the work, it's the value of anything. And uh, so everybody is waiting from artist or art kind of answer, you know, but as, an, uh, as artists, we don't have any rules. You know, we, we do what we have in, inside us. You know, we are not here to answer now to the society about a problem with here, but if you go in Africa, this problem doesn't exist. We forget that, you know? If you go in Asia, it's another problem, it's another problem. So I think that um, as artists, we have to put ourselves a little bit, perhaps not higher, but beside this, because if it's only this, we, we, we can do nothing, you know? We will be stuck about this speed of uh, information and problematic. So how we can find, finally, uh, eventually, the freedom of time, to have the time, because people have to realize uh, that we need free time, a lot of free time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but this is a luxury, you know? That's true. If we want, if we want to be able... Paid free time. If we want <laughs> to be able to propose to the society, to people, to people who put money, who take time to come, to say to them, okay, listen, what we agree about what we call reality, well, perhaps it's not totally that. Perhaps there is other option. 
And if we want to give option of this other reality, uh, we need time. Uh, it's a big responsibility as artists because it's just not an answer from now. I mean, uh, the time to produce, the time to show, and the experience of the, it's a big responsibility just to think, okay, I have time because the society gave me this time. And uh, so how we can secure um, this time? I don't know if it's a, a group thing, a social thing, because also us as artists, we need things to give back to the society, you know? So it's kind of an answer. Matthew, do you have time? <laughs> um, um, I, um, yeah, I'm pretty slow. I take, I like to take my time to make work. Um, um, or I need to. Um, I guess I'm thinking about other forces um, again. Um, And it's true that we are in a time of speed, but there are other um, temporalities that are, and other forces that are present now as well, and have always and will always be, actually. And they're bigger than the social, or they go above and below and ac across the social and the market. I mean, there are other forces at play, and they will win. Actually, there are things bigger than the market. Um, like what? Well, there's a material world, and that what that's what matters to me. Um, and I am a naive optimist, um, but this is why I dance, and this is why I believe in dance, and more than choreography, just to say. We're not know? going there. We're not going there. <laughs> well, I mean, just but 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 really, like, you know, I mean, it's. Anyway. <laughs> well, 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 maybe just a question for, for the choreographers, if I, if I may. Sure. Is, that, is, that a, is that of... I like always of like to ask the questions, but you go. No, but, but, but I, I love very limited knowledge that I have of working in a theatre, like back in the Netherlands, in Rotterdam. But, uh, um, so, but like, if you were to define the difference between classical and modern ballet, would you say that um, you know, we are forsaking the collective in, in the favour of the individual dancer? individual well, I expression. I think we should have like a talk just on that, because that's a long one. So, so that the body, the, the body in, in, in dance is becoming actually about the individual dancer rather than the collective dancer. No, the, the individual mm. has always I been I think we'll have good. another talk on that but, one. But, but, but <laughs> of course, Xavier can no, do but it's, it's, too short, it's too generalizing. Like, of course, in the ballet, you have the soloist. What is the soloist if not an individual put in a certain way, staged in a certain way in the society? So it's, it's there. You cannot generalize what modern dance has done into these terms of modern dance is more individual than this. The question is how? How this operates and what kind? And the, the div diversity that has been produced by the modernity that says to us, stop comparing like this uh, it's uh, i refuse to answer this question this is not this is not uh, well especially not uh, in these 5 minutes we have plus i don't have the 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 knowledge or the 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 to be able to to answer this i just can say that the fact today to make a solo work is a direct effect of the 
how the, the economy of producing uh, choreography uh, is under the influence of what a more general uh, a stream of, uh, of action or, or, or politics uh, act on the, the society. It is, but this is not specific to this is not specific to choreography. This is in relationship to the society we will own. I would have more chance to survive if I do a solo work mm -hmm. than if I look for doing a work with 10 people, sure. unless I am doing cultural industry. That is another, uh, this, is, uh, this is very uh, different. And even, so how do I do? I, I, am, I'm, I am for looking for a form of collective, but if I do this, it, I, cannot I cannot survive. So I, I have to see, uh, find other solution to, to oscillate maybe between these, these forms and the oscillation between an individual alone on stage and a group um, on stage. Um, it's also not, this, it's not, not giving us a, a solution, but it's, um, yeah, the story is much more complex than, than, than this, I think. I'm sure you have plenty of questions. There is a mic that circulated. Just um, raise your hand if you wanted to join us in conversation. Because otherwise, we can go on forever. <coughs> Am I Hi, um, I'm not an artist, but I write. Um, I'm wondering with the market, and I agree there's always been patrons of the arts and so forth, but with the problem with the market is that people start designing their writing, in my case, or their works of art to attract um, money. I mean, on the crudest level, you have people by the side of the road painting little replicas of the island girl or something. But, you know, so even on a, a more profound level, where even artists who are really um, deeply committed and deeply talented are feeling they have to, or even unconsciously, working towards a piece of work that will sell. For example, if you're if you're right, if you're trying to get a book published, you have to um, make a case to the publisher that you have an audience who will buy your book. You have to come with your little troop of followers or your demo demographic that'll buy this book. So then you write a book for that demographic, if you understand what I'm saying. So I, I, I know that there's always been a need for an artist to um, eat. <laughs> and we do have the um, stereotype of the starving artist who produced the greatest of works that now sell for millions. But so it, that's my dilemma about the market and art. It becomes a commodity that's then mass-produced, in a way, I guess. <laughs> Would you like to make a comment to this dilemma? I didn't understand, sorry. I, I cannot hear very well, because uh, I, I, I'm sorry. Should I, re should I try to re resume? Oh, yeah. I think that's a tough one, actually. The, the little I understand just, is about producing I think producing it's very nuanced and I just want to get it wrong. Um, if the market ah. is so important, 
Is it possible that unconsciously it shapes what the artist feels they must produce? And you get little replications. It may be unconscious, not, but the artist is has making to pro- work for the market. Yes, has to produce something that sells, that will be bought, that people will come and see. I would, I would think that hopefully the artist is consciously making a work for the market. I mean, yeah, I mean. Hopefully that's part of the work, is to figure out how to deal with that and to deal with it consciously. Pardon? Yeah, like everybody. Exactly. Mathieu, do you make works for the market? Yeah, uh, well, yes, the market uh, shape and choose what you like, you know, this... Yes, it's like that, but it's not really... It's a problem, but it's an answer because it's always have been like that. In fact, you know, I mean, um, the church or the queen always choose the best artists who fit perfectly with their own power. So, nothing new with that. Mm. It's just bigger. So after, how artists can develop beside this market? This is the question. And also, don't forget that the artists they go through, most of them they go through school, and the problem is here. I did some workshop in uh, CalArt in Los Angeles, you know. And so the artists from the first, second years are very interesting. <laughs> just after, it's just like, wow, what's happened? <laughs> and what's happened is their teacher said to them, okay, you know, if you want to be chosen by a gallery in the city, you have to change that, 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 and that. And of course, when you need money, you know, you think, you young think, okay, I will adapt a little bit, you know. And you adapt, and you adapt, and you adapt, and at, at the end, but it's not because you adapt that you will success. Because it's really, the market today is really more complex, you know? Who owns a magazine, who owns all the, all the thing? It's a big, it's just an industry, so you have to think about a, an industry. But it's not because it's an industry that you can't have other creativity of other work uh, emerge, you know? Mm. So I, I think the question, Probably one Sorry. of the layers of the question <laughs> was, does the artist have the luxury or the power to resist the market? But Peace which artist? But it's, it, is, it is an interesting problem. And of course, yeah. the, the market produces art and art produces the market. It's like any decision you make. Uh, do you take the bus because the bus is there or because you have decided to take the bus? Uh, well, it's both. So there is a, there, there, it's always this. So there is, there is no outside. So if there is no outside, there are relation. And then it's how you relate to this. You can, and, but it's like every relation, you can submit to something and say, I, like uh, Mathieu say, you can learn this. To how do I do the thing that will fit the best the market, meaning that I will be sure to get uh, something out of it. You can do this, but you you must not. It's a it's uh, we are yeah. uh, s- still we have a little bit of agency in our life. It's not yet totally hundred uh, <laughs> <laughs> percent. I mean, you never obliged to do things. You know, people forget that. I mean, artists mm-hmm. artists or anyone are free. You know, you're not obliged to torture people if you don't want. I mean, yeah. so here. Mm. Uh, the market doesn't oblige anyone to fit or to do something, you know. So this is the point, it's a personal responsibility first, you know. Because 
what's the market is not someone. The money is not someone. The money doesn't think, you know. It's, it's people behind. So you can convince these people to change. You can choose to not work with them. There is a lot of possibility. I think that we need courage to accept that it's first it's our own choice, you know. It's so easy to always say, ah, it's a market, it's this and this. Of course, more we do that, more they are powerful. Uh, and more we accept their rules, in fact. Um, but this is for democracy, you know, I mean, <laughs> what we call democracy. Uh, so it's exactly the same thing. It's, uh, but more the market will push and more I think the reaction will be uh, will be strong because anyway we have to think that there is artists uh, who resist the thing happening, you know. And uh, well, the market is something uh, growing, but something else will, will uh, happen. And uh, yeah, I, I, you, I, I'm, I mean, I'm sorry, sorry. I'm sorry, Macho. Don't I, be I, sorry. I, I, no, no, I, I'm very <laughs> sorry. I, I back to differ. Um, I, I think the what what we I mean the essence of, of if you look at sort of the market and what the technology that it employs is price, and it's not I mean with Heidegger it's like not the essence of technology is not technology itself it's the way it orders things and I do think that there is a very big difference over the ages how the arts are sort of like uh, being employed or of course there has been mar money shifted hands one way or the other for a painting for any kind of work of art. Uh, but there were collectives, uh, you know, back in Amsterdam, and I'm not the best person in the audience uh, to speak to this, but uh, one of the biggest uh, employers in, 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 in Amsterdam, sort of in the, in the golden age, was uh, the studio of Rembrandt. It, it was not just one person, it was a whole organization. Yeah. And, and so it was a business. It was a business, but it was a business as a collective. And, it, and now, like we, and, and so if we think about the market, it pressures. I mean, the whole myth of the individual and the, and the whole myth of freedom and democracy, that is what we all buy into. And, you know, we're all free. I don't think we're free. We're systematically being sort of divided. And, um, and I don't think there's much room for agency. Yes, I, 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 <laughs> I am a bit You are a pessimist. <laughs> but, but I also think that... He was obliged to come here. They, we, they, they bit him. Oh, I, I bit me some more. Yeah. Well, otherwise you would all agree as artists, so we, we want you to no, but first, first, uh, <laughs> and, and that's n and because I want more for the arts, but I want more sort of like, you yeah, know. Yeah, okay, I will answer. Everybody wants more for the artists well, and for the art. <laughs> and not yes, more money. I want more collectivity. Yeah. what we want, you know. I, don't want I want more of a voice. I think that Brooke question. Brooke, would you like to speak closer to the mic? Sorry. Could you define your terms for collectivity or collective body? Yes, that's, a, that's an excellent question. Um, I think that nowadays, um, um, hmm. I, I guess what, um, and, and, and again, I, I, I feel sort of not hindered by any knowledge uh, of the arts in this sense. So uh, 10,000 apologies uh, beforehand. But um, it, it seems to the, the whole notion of um, the individual, and this comes with Max Weber, who sort of ushers in the notion of meritocracy, and where he sort of drives down any kind of organization to its smallest com uh, common denominator being the individual. So organizations have jobs, and everybody and every job needs to answer to the organization, needs to uh, and owned by the organization. And this move, while it seems innocuous and it seems for the sort of the greater good, we've got fairness, we've got justice systems in place, 
um, and you know everybody needs you know no shirking that sort of thing we all need to carry our weight it what it means that we rather than looking at sort of team or collective endeavor at any kind of organizational level be this artistic scientific or whatever we are now sort of being looked at at individuals and this is where we are now like we're all individuals with our own responsibility we're all accountable by under the law uh, under the you know whatever the legislation is and and that is exactly the problem where we are now like we don't have organizations anymore we just have collectives of individuals and and that is where what i fear like we're no longer members we're no longer part of anything we are just now all individuals having to sort of facebook ourselves brand ourselves um, and, 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 and like, and, you know, what about debt? Debt is the power of debt yes, well, to, to unite us. David Graeber, David, yes, absolutely. The first 5,000 years, uh, the history of debt, uh, debt is, 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 um, uh, is indeed a, a collective, uh, endeavor and, and then yet, yeah, but mm -hmm. not necessarily saying that that's a great thing to be oppressed by. Absolutely not. But, but, yeah, but, but maybe you want to say more about this. Well, I just, um, I'm just not sure if everyone wants more all the time, you know? And um, yeah, I mean, that's all. Any other questions? And, and I think society is overrated. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are other spaces to be together. We have okay. questions. All right, fair enough. Just there. I have a question for everyone on the panel. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the issues that uh, we come up against with the market. I have the question of, has anyone found any resources in their relationship to the market? Has anyone found anything valuable in its limitations or in its parameters or whatever? Resist it. <laughs> Just do it. Touche, <laughs> <laughs> touche. Uh, of, of course, as you, we are in the market, so, so uh, I, there, there are, uh, there are subjects that uh, that that comes out of this that are uh, questions. The, yeah, it's, uh, of course, there are. Like, I don't know. Uh, again, it's not all negative, <laughs> the market for, of course. Maybe one last question. Hmm. Um, I'm interested in the um, the discussion about free time that came up earlier. Um, I'm also an academic, and I, I have to constantly apply for money to do my work. And one of the hardest things to apply for is simply time. So if you are doing research and you need equipment or travel funds, it's very easy to, to line item those things um, and justify those. There's this lovely, in Australia, justification of the budget. Um, box that you have to fill, but very often what I need is just time. Um, and that's very hard to justify um, in these forms. Um, but I think that free time is also perhaps one of the best possibilities for forming 
um, for, for forming collectives again and maybe forming ways of being outside of the market. And that's why it's so hard to apply for money for free time. So um, my question is uh, for some of the people up here, um, who, especially those who've talked about the importance of free time, you know, how have you managed to find that for yourself? Um, does it cost you anything um, when you carve that out? <laughs> yeah. Does free time come free? It, it, uh, I'm just thinking about how I used to live in squats in Amsterdam. And yeah, I mean, and how valuable that was, that time in my life. Um, and it came at a very important time. That time came at an important time. And I'm often trying to figure out how to find it. And it does end up, I don't know what it costs you, like I, I don't know, but it definitely, it's a force to, to deal with. I mean, I want to deal with that to find it. And um, it, I mean, it does, you know, you break up with your boyfriend or, you, you know, I mean, it can't, it does, there are, you know, it, it has real impacts looking for that space like any any desire does and but i think it's a it's a, something that that's worth looking for um yeah well um the free time you know i mean it's, <laughs> it's a luxury but it, i mean i don't understand that people work you know as we no 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 but I'm I'm, I'm serious because in fact, it's um, it's um, it's not something normal what we talk, what we consider working today. You know, I mean when I'm talking about working, it's someone who is not doing something that really like. It's something he has to do to earn money to live. Okay, I'm not talking about passion. You know, and uh, so. Um, of course, I think that is very important for artists, but for everybody to have a lot of time. I mean, uh, I mean, some, some thousand years ago, we used to just spend 20% of our time to find our food, uh, just to provide what we need to live, you know, and we had 80% for free time. And what was for free time? Spirituality know each other. I mean, what's make a society, or <coughs> not a society, but a community, or I don't know what we call that. And uh, today, it's just the inverse. We spend 80% to have 20% free. So of course, there is a problem, <laughs> not for the artists, for the society. And um, Carlos Sliman, who is the richest man in the world, uh, in Mexico, said that. Normally, people just <coughs> would have, to have three days to work, you know, would be enough. Everybody could work and have the rest of the time for free. And uh, I think we are not different than people for that. And in fact, what people find in us is we, we condense our freedom in our art and we give back, you know, because we have the time for that. But if artists lose their time, they lose everything. You know, and for that, it's difficult as an artist to have a beside job, for example. It's very difficult because this job takes your time anyway, you know. 
Well, I think we've heard uh, many things that um, matter today. Um, free time, resisting the market, being a happy pessimist, and many other things. Um, thank you, everyone, for having joined us today. Thank you so much to each and every one of you. And thank you, M Pavilion, for having hosted us today. Thank you. Thank you.